And remember that we are not descended from fearful men. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Five, four, three. The Kellen and Alex Show. Zero. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Ladies and gentlemen, The Kellen and Alex Show broadcasting through Spotify. WFRSCC 88.3 FM. In effect, FM. Dude, that was like two years ago when you and I did that. Remember that tiny ass studio that we had? I do. It was quite small. You know, we fit fit, uh, Nick Larkins in there, though. (laughs) We did. Do you remember that? I'd guess. Okay, so little story. Two years ago. How long have we been doing the podcast? Too long. Too long. (laughs) So we started out in the radio lab at, uh, at Franciscan. And you know, I was doing, I was doing it right. I was leading and everything, but the show actually worked better when you led, like you just knew a lot of stuff, like everything. So, you know, you came in and you kind of took the reins of the show. This is actually the first time I'm hosting and you're my co-host in probably two years. Yeah. This is pretty cool, but you've really taken the show to a new level, which has been the fun part. Thanks, man. Before we go any further... Alex, you sent me a text uh, a couple, I think last week, and you said something about on your uh, window, your windshield. You're something on your windshield. So really? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this oh, in no. front of everybody. So I found this on my windshield one day, and I was like, what the heck is this doing? It says, life is short, so you might as well homeschool. Quote from the k and oh. Podcast pro tips for Kellen. Number one, don't clear your throat so much. (laughs) Number two, stop being a people pleaser. Number three, don't contradict yourself. Number four, have respect for those who have respected you so much. Number five, the Ten Commandments, you should read them sometime. (laughs) Number six, communication is key. Number seven, shave. Courtesy, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. <laughs> what the hell is this? <laughs> what was that? that you found a it? week ago. It was on my windshield. You know who? Were you on campus? Bree must have written that. Okay. Bree or Mary Grace? <laughs> One of the, you know who it was? It was, it was probably Maria Sammons. Oh, uh, well, she's out of town right now. Who's who was the girl she was with? Wait, the girl she wait. The, the, uh, oh, uh, oh, Amelia. Amelia. It's yeah, probably yeah. Amelia. Where did this come from? I don't know. Let me see the handwriting. Look at that. It is neat. It's definitely not yours. (laughs) Dude, like the middle's like washed out. This is a, this is a really. It's strange. It's really strange. Anyways, shout out to them. Uh, Metaverse Facebook. Facebook Metaverse. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell is that? Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're back. Yeah. Um, Crazy. So speaking of crazy things, um, Facebook thinks that everything should be online including your entire life including all of your social relationships well you already knew that because of facebook but well you see that's they've the just thing. launched the metaverse the metaverse i have no idea what that is that's just kind of like put everything out there online so imagine this Kelly. you just get employed you're fresh on the job working for some bank in new york but you're remote and they have bought you an oculus rift do you the know what those are that? you know the <laughs> vr headsets Oh, you put on your, your oh yeah. yeah, I have one of those. And they, they give you VR headsets and uh, headphones and say, oh, yeah, join us on the Facebook metaverse for our first board meeting. And and an avatar of you that you create appears in a conference room, in a virtual conference room, 
And uh, yeah, so Facebook thinks it's, you know, the future where everything's going to go. So I was on Facebook the other day and there was like this video of Elon Musk and he was saying, I am uh, dangerously close to mastering the AI. And you know what he said? It scares the hell out of me. That's what he said. Here's the thing. Artificial intelligence, right? That is a scary thing. Because what we're doing is we're putting our trust basically in computers and technology to rule our world. The fact that we could have a visual reality, you put on some freaking goggles and you're in a meeting, you create an avatar. <clears throat> what are we in avatar? <laughs> I mean, are <laughs> yeah, we in Pandora? Yeah, right. Like, what is this? It doesn't make any sense. My parents, like they said, eventually that there is going to be basically robots that take care of patients. Oh, like it's, it's going to okay. be like, like medical wise, Wars. you know, like yeah. the Star Wars, the three, where something they have the robots, like that, where like you have a robot come in. It's more efficient, I guess. It doesn't work because here's an interesting thing is like the business world is not, is not the same if it doesn't have human to human interaction. Right. Because when you have artificial intelligence or artificial equipment doing speaking and, and meetings and all these different things, there's not a, there's no connection there. Yeah. When you have two people, you can read each other. You can understand what's going on, right? That's is what is different about having actual people doing the work than AI. AI one day is going to come. It's going to come and it's going to take over. Bro, I'm calling the Terminator, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is already here in different ways. I mean, we have like, I don't know, like all the uh, voice AI stuff really sucks. You know, like Siri and these other guys, <laughs> you know, everyone went really heavy in like um, linguistic AI. But the problem is it can't do multiple steps. Like multiple steps is such a big jump. Right. That it has to think and then program that. That, well, it that can't makes multitask. It, it's, it's infinite, you know, like. Yeah. The amount of like extensions of that, you'd say, hey, Siri, add contact. Hey, Siri, you know, like put in this information. And then there's like three steps down the line. It just can't. It's too much computation. It can't compute. Yeah. That's yeah. the thing is like. It can't, it can't understand the context of the previous thing you said. Well, how can it? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't have a memory. It doesn't well, have a memory. Well, a memory that's like a human memory that can kind of like. I don't Grasp know. things. Yeah. Have you seen any of that at all? Like in AI stuff, AI like either here in San Diego. Um, yeah, I mean just computer phone stuff. Nothing like, see, and, and you know they have those bots that can like have conversation or whatever. I don't. I'm actually far less impressed by AI than most of these because here, here's my here's the big concept: scientific positivism. It's this idea that, and this is what like if you watch the Facebook thing when they launched the metaverse, you have Zuckerberg up there being like. This is the future. I believe that, you know, communication is moving in this direction and we're going to be more connected than ever. And this is the future. And we need to embrace these new technologies. And it's like, bro, communication has worked <laughs> for a very yeah, long time. Yeah, it has. You can add stuff to it. But at the end of the day, Chesterton had this great, great quote where he said, you know, a man invented the loudspeaker and then found he had nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, well, you want to communicate the fact that we have no culture, like more broadly, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, it's the thing with technology is, and 
Neil Postman really draws this out in his book Technopoly is um, it ch- it changes things for the better, but some things go for the worse, like every new adoption of technology. And what you really need is a culture and a people to basically choose which t- technologies to assimilate and which ones to kind of like hold off. The problem with our society now is our technologies are always changing the culture. There's always a cultural change. And either you're like on it or you're not. And the ones who adapt the cult, the tech quicker, get more money, get more power, get more influence, right? I mean, Zuckerberg was literal nobody at Harvard, but the fact that he invented a technology, this kind of social media idea that he ended up implementing online gave him such unwieldy power. I mean, and just like unbelievable amount of power, more power than anyone's like ever had. Just the fact that he controls the social space. It is, it is a scary thought, isn't it? I mean, like there are, like, I guess, never thought they could <clears throat> control just pure discourse of the social. Like people are just going to talk. Yeah. You can't like control that. Oh yes, you can. It's called Facebook. <laughs> it's scary how number one, the addiction, right? That's the whole idea of it is we want you to become addicted to this app. So you keep using it. I mean, you're not even, nobody's even paying for Facebook. Like it, it, they get, it gets paid, I think through ads or whatever. The thing is like you can like you said you can never take away human communication. It's always going to be different than artificial uh communication. Yeah. I mean, we know this personally. A phone call versus an in-person thing is completely different. It's different. And this is the this is why I love Franciscan. I'm wearing the jacket. <laughs> you know I'm there. Yeah, you got the cheeves. <laughs> um but the fact that we had in-person semester during COVID and we said you know, all the time, we were like, this is no substitute. Online stuff's no substitute. Like we've talked before about like online school versus in-person school and how it's such a step down. Um, but yeah, I think in the same way, it's like, this is the problem. And I think it got brought up in the Instagram debate is our reality more and more is so based on technological reality. That like, what is reality? Oh, it's the what reliance. people say on Twitter. Or it's like, who, what my image is on Instagram, Facebook, etc. I mean, this this whole conversation has been played out many different ways, many different times. But um, like, you're not, how could you put it? You're denigrating the real social by participating in the fake social. Yeah. Because like, you're, you're basically you, by saying participating, that's real and this isn't real. Somehow. Yeah. By participating in the fake social, you're taking away. You're not contributing to the real social. Let's get to the capitalistic side of this. Oh boy, business. So business. So Zizek had a really good point. The in a um, was he not Croatian Slovakian philosopher, but he basically said we're moving in a in a period in our capitalistic society where we're moving from um, companies that sell products, and so that let's say the the error of capitalism would be. Um, taking the majority of the labor of the workers and then selling a product for a higher price um, than is than is necessary or whatever. So there's kind of like monopolization on the product that you're making. We're moving back to a time where it's a rent-based system. Where uh, so the first problem in a in a pre- in previously in that type of capitalistic system would be you're you have a monopoly on products and the people are not making enough money to completely pay for it. And so there's some type of injustice there. However, we're in a, a time now where fewer and people, fewer and fewer people actually own things, and now they have to rent. That's the the rent based injustice. Um, but that 
previously spaces that were unmonetized, social interaction, the marketplace in general, those things are now being monetized by charging rent. So here's an example, Amazon. So Amazon is like, what are they? They're more or less a marketplace with a logistics company. So they are an online marketplace where they, they you know, and then they, they figure out ways for you to, well, I should say they're software, uh, a marketplace and logistics. But what they figured out is they have a, a, a monopolization on the market, like the market for like common house goods and whatever goods you can get delivered to your door. And they built a logistical company based on that. And if you want to sell things on Amazon, you have to give a cut of that to Amazon itself. So what they've done is basically privatized the public market. Instead of you having to drive to a mall, walk around and go find some goods, now you just use Amazon's online space to get your goods, right? And it's huge. Yep. So many people use it in Amazon Prime or whatever that, like you said, it seems like, you know, I went to the mall the other day down in Robinson. It was empty. There was nobody there. Everything is empty. There was nobody there. It was so much fun. I went into the Macy's side. I went into the Macy's furniture area and just chilled out. There was nobody in there. And then I went to JC Penney's and there was nobody in there. I passed by the Victoria's Secret. I didn't go in it. Oof. So, um, but I do have peripheral vision. So that. that <laughs> uh, okay, I'm just kidding. Um, but but no, retail's like dead compared to Amazon. Like you go in there and it's an entire mall. There's a food court. There's shops. There's two levels. Nobody in there. I'm like no. It's midday on a weekday. Like there should be people shopping. Oh, there's people shopping. They're just doing it on their They're cell phones. They're just doing it online because it's more convenient. It's all about convenience. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I totally agree. Like, I could just go online, not have to spend any gas money, go to the store. Like, you can buy anything. You don't have to go anywhere for the rest of your life. You could order a lawnmower if you need it. You can order groceries if you need it. You can order just certain goods, anything like duct tape or Jose Cuervo. I don't know. Like you can do anything. You can find it anywhere. Just do it. You don't even have to go on Amazon. Just do a Google search. Google alone brings in everything because you, the reason that you, how you look for things is you go to Google and you look up whatever you want. The big tech companies, like we said, They were the ones who thrived during COVID. You remember? Mm -hmm. They thrived. Why? They crushed because (laughs) everything crushed. They crushed. Amazon went up something like 150% over COVID. No, no, no. 300% over COVID time. Like market value. They're $1.8 trillion company. I mean, like these are numbers you can't even fathom, you know? But, But the reason why, and this is my opinion on it is, They've found a way to privatize things, so own things that were used to be public, the marketplace. Like, who owns the marketplace? Well, no one. You, you drive to the marketplace, whatever it is, grocery store, whatever. Walmart was original in this, right? Where basically they did the exact same thing. There's a reason why Walmart and Amazon are like pretty similar in that way. Walmart figured out a way to, to privatize the marketplace. So they, they, they're a wholesaler, right? They, you get all these goods for cheap. And there's one location that's the market, and there's a small fee that Walmart takes on every good it sells, you know, that are from other retailers that they get, right? Amazon said, oh, wow, cool. Walmart did that. The online thing's the new thing. 
So let's privatize the marketplace, invent a logistical company to deliver your, deliver it to your store, make a software that is very you know easy to use, and now they're one point eight trillion dollars, and Bezos flew himself to space and back, right? Um, I love that line where he said uh, after he gets back to all the Amazon employees, "You guys paid for this." <laughs> it's like, yeah, you did pay for it. You paid for a billionaire to, yeah. I mean, you created a billionaire because he he took more money than he deserved in terms of yeah. That's that's called justice. The, the ambition is what ours <clears throat> is what made these people billionaires. Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Mark Zuckerberg, like the ambition that they had, what they wanted, and how they went out and got it. It's like that is what made that happen good for them on their part to have the ambition to do it. But like the world changed because of that socially, economically, physically, everything is different. Well, we think that change is amoral that we, be, in, in it's not of, amoral. Well, like it has no moral quality. It's just like, Oh, well people wanted to be rich. So they invented technologies that made them rich. And it's like, well, wait a second. So <clears throat> it's like, you look at human ends, right? Like material ends, right? Like you said, convenience. Like what scientific positivism, this whole idea with technologies is if there's a better technology, then we must invent it. And that in fact, our system to be more and more powerful should incentivize by, you know, basically worshiping these kind of heroes of capitalism that like win the system and make billions of dollars. And that somehow that's good. And that we should pursue that. We're basically making technology the masters of our culture. And we're not letting our culture assimilate because we don't really have a culture. So the next technology just wrecks us. You know, I think people like Elon Musk talking about AI, like he's a total scientific positivist. He's just like, well, we're just going to invent this AI that's going to take us over. Well, it's inevitable. That's because people are capitalist realists where, where they think we couldn't invent a system in which technologies are incorporated into a culture but rather that our technologies are always changing our culture. Like the invention of the smartphone radically changed our culture. Oh my gosh. I mean, just more than anything. Yeah. That is that is the pinnacle of changing our culture was the smartphone. How was life okay, different? Okay, let's take right in particular. Um, like pornography and that sin over America and the West and now the world. Like, you know, in the 1980s or whatever, or even before, like there was, you know, nudie mags and stuff, but there was not the smartphone. And even with the invention of computers, like it was, it was there, but not the invention of the smartphone. Who invented the smartphone? I don't, well, I mean, to a large degree, Steve Jobs, that's because of the iPhone, because of the whole touch dynamic. Right. And it's like, okay, let's put it this way. Um, The technology radically changed our culture. Now I can't sit here. I have my smartphone in front of me and just say bad. Ooh, yuck. I mean, to some ways you can, but like there's benefits and there's bad stuff, right? But what happens is if you have a coherent culture that actually has any positive social unity and positive the- like theological vision of reality, like the real political unity, then what happens is new technologies come about, but you don't let it destroy the culture or change the culture. You try, you figure out how to assimilate it, right? I mean, a very kind of, uh, you know, the Amish as an example, which can't get overblown, but 
what they do is when there's a new technology and they think it might be helpful for the community, they all get around and they vote on it and they say, yeah, we think we want to adopt this. You know, we don't want to churn butter. I think we can get a little stand mixer or something like that, you know. Um, but I mean, we're so far beyond that. So people go back to the Galileo case a lot of times uh, where Galileo, uh, you know, the church persecutes him and all this stuff. And it's like, well, part of it was trying to inquire what his scientific findings were trying to imply. And part of it was, okay, what does this really mean for our civilization? If your technologies, if your understanding of science, of reality, like if that's changing, then we need to figure out how to assimilate that with the church. Like we don't need it to run away and then change everything about what we know. So like the invention of the smartphone, it's like, there was no culture to like figure out how to assimilate it. It was just the idea that like, well, all technology is good. And so we just move on. And, and it now this is not an advocacy for kind of just Amish lifestyle, but it is kind of an advocacy for like, okay, even in your personal life, how are newer technologies going to affect the way you live? How is it going to affect your faith? How is it going to impact you? You know, um, I think the scary thing is honestly, we can't really live without this stuff. Like, uh, like if you think about it, take an example, just going through your day. Like you, if you can't live in the system of power without being in that, right. All you what need am I, is a little I, what bit am of I food do? and shelter to am live. I, am I going to drive everywhere just to do what I this have is, to do? Like, this is the reason why, work. this is the reason why like the Amish are outside of the power structure. I've seen so many Amish technology, lately. technology and power are, are almost one in the same. They are the same. Yeah. Technology, technology like is power, power and power is technology. Yeah. I mean, it, well, in the sense of like they're power reciprocal. structures, they're always using more technologies to. <clears throat> so like if you don't use the internet and your name is Enosh Miller and you're in the middle of Amish country and you grow your beard out <laughs> and you have, you have cattle. Enosh Miller. That's actually a real guy's name. <laughs> Paul's hiring him for roofing. What? <laughs> Anyways. You used him as an Amish example? Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Enosh. Sorry, Enosh. You'll get over it. You won't hear this. <laughs> oh but uh, case in point. Uh, yeah. Well done, lad. So, I mean, in what way does the American government have power over you? Everywhere. I mean, they can... Well, I'm except about, for I'm social about interaction, I'm not talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the thing: is when technologies become necessary in, in power structures you ascent to live in. I mean, it's now all of a sudden you got to burn incense to Caesar. Now all of a sudden you got to get your ID. <laughs> like Amish probably don't even need to have IDs. They don't even do anything. Maybe they, you know, some drive, some don't. Um, and you know, smartphones. Probably most of them don't have it. It's like. We talk about need, but technology oftentimes, um, your need is like to be more powerful, like to be actually powerful in the civilization that you're in, you need to cooperate with the technology. Like, I feel like this was the, the debate behind the Instagram debate when we had it was, should you delete your Instagram? Oh, well, you have to evangelize. Well, the premise under that is that reality is in Instagram and most people are in that type of reality and using that technology. And if we don't use that technology, we're not within the power structure. And you're actually right. You're not, you're not, but maybe assenting to the technology of the power structure corrupts you. 
It definitely does. So, I mean, imagine like if confessions were virtual, you know. Well, that's or yeah. like if the if people you know, and this has happened, like people don't go to the mass; they just watch the mass or something. You know, I had to do that the other night because I the other day because I drank so much like the other night that I woke up and I I had dude right when I woke up, Limoncello came out, bro, <laughs> <laughs> and I felt so bad because I was I had to watch rule number mass. eight: don't mention Limoncello. <laughs> <laughs> who who wrote, who wrote this? that? I am that is hilarious. It's definitely not your writing because it's good writing. It's not my writing because my writing. No, I did write that. Yeah. It's got to be Maria or Amelia. It's Maria. The Ten Commandments. You should read them sometime. Bruh. That's probably Amelia. Shout out. She's not going to listen to this either, but... Communication. Shave? Shave? Yeah. Okay, let's get back to the Amazon thing. No, I mean, these companies are basically renting out the spaces to us to to use them. Like, to use Facebook, you pay the rent, which is the advertising cost. So, well, it's more like the companies are paying rent to get eyeballs to make more money. All right. Um, I don't know, man. It's like, okay, so the Facebook metaverse, there's just so much in it that's like... I think I saw a video the other day on it or something. I saw Zuckerberg talking about it. Yeah. It's all about power. It's all about ad- advancement. That's what it really is. If it's one word to describe all of this, it's advancement. Well, that's what they think it is, is advancement. What type of advancement is it? It's advancement of more money for Facebook. Right. Like they, they're spending up eleven billion dollars to invent this metaverse thing. Yeah. Uh Facebook metaverse plans labeled as dystopian and a bad idea by BBC News. Meta, as Facebook is now known, is investing billions in the project. But Roger McName told the BBC it's a bad idea and the fact that we are sitting and looking at it like it's normal should be alarming to everyone, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um Facebook should not be allowed to create a dystopian metaverse. <laughs> well, I don't know if I see. I feel as though the critics of these type of things don't go far enough. They're like, this is a dystopian thing where we're, we're changing avatars for reality. And it's like, well, yeah, but like, this is also like how we've structured our society is newer technologies that get you more money are good. And we, we fund them. I mean, Facebook's whatever, however many billions of dollars a company, like our whole civilization is just like trying to make more money off of more technologies. Do you know what the quickest way to make money is? Quickest ever. Sex. No. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing. Thievery thou shall, thou shall not steal. <laughs> no, no, I mean thievery is the easiest. Have you like the crypto stuff? <clears throat> Let's get to the crypto stuff a little bit. Is crypto theft, Alex? Like ninety-eight percent of it is theft. <laughs> I mean, like, so put it this way: it's stocks, though. No, isn't no, no, it? No, 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 no. Stocks actually are a company. Well, well, well crypto, crypto, you invest. Of, look, I'm critical and you get of both. money back. I'm critical of both. No, no, no. Well, crypto, it, it's Dogecoin, bro. As long, well, well, well here's Bitcoin, the thing. you put money in, you get money back. Uh, Sometimes. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're smart about it. Well, uh, so many things. So many <laughs> There's things. Too many in. things. Oh no, no, no. There's, no. Too- There's too many things baked into your kind of like your point there. I know, but <laughs> no. I mean, the point is like. The quickest way to make money is... Oh, did you hear about Squid Squidcoin? What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I'm bringing up. What? So, you know the the crazy Netflix show Squid Game? I know it. Okay. Oh, wait a minute. I think, yeah. I, I, think I heard the of that. The premise is pretty funny, though. I think I, I mean, heard it's, of it's that. It's dystopian. But that basically, these rich elites tell all these people who are in like super debt to play the Squid Game, which is... <laughs> oh, no. They're in this kind of reality TV thing. And uh, if they win, all their debt's forgiven. And oh, they all play, shoot. and it's all death games. So it's just like 
do this or you literally get murdered. And then the rich people just get to watch and hang out and whatever. Wait, what? Yeah, it's they participate and they die. Yeah. Wait a minute, that's a little bit like the purge or something. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's very grotesque. I've not watched. Is is, is it? It got really popular. Dude, I want to watch that. That's interesting. I watched some of it. It creeped me the hell out. Did it really? (laughs) Yeah, and I knew it was like, I I knew it was satirical to begin with, but I mean that's that's all effed up. Everything is like I mean people like. It's funny because we would sit back and be like, yeah, I think for my debt. And it's just like, what the heck? Anyways, <clears throat> it's it's really the, the reality is, is that it's. There are certain things in this world that are meant to be interacted with in a certain way. And there's some things that aren't. There are certain things that are meant to be messed with. And there's certain things that aren't. Human interaction is a thing that's not to be messed with. That is family, that is dude. family. The family. What is the heartbeat of America? It's families. That's what it is. Heartbeat of the like the universe is family. Heartbeat of the universe is families. God is a family, a person. It is. And and the thing is like you can't there are maybe certain exceptions like aka a pandemic that you can't don't really have a choice, right? But besides a pandemic, like in our day-to-day life we should be striving to be social humans, to interact with each other. Now, I understand that there's only 24 hours in a day. And if you have to go to work or something and you're sick, you can't make it. You can't just not tell your boss, right? You have to do something. And what is that something? It's movement, right? Like you have to be able to communicate effectively. And if you don't want and this is the scary thing. If you don't want to do that, electronically then it takes a lot more work out of your day instead of me just picking up my phone and texting my boss that I can't go to work I actually have to drive there and tell him and you may be sick maybe you've had a fat heart attack that day and like you can't do anything like you're on the verge of death and you have to go to work to tell your boss that you can't work it's like (laughs) <laughs> and we were so far past. <clears throat> Think about Jesus's time. Think about it. Jesus didn't go home after work, freaking doing carpenter work, you know, open up the Mac and say, hmm, wonder, uh, wonder what Satan's doing on uh, Facebook today, you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, wonder what my mother, my, like, bro, you, what if we revisited? <laughs> what if we revisited that time? Think about it. Yes. Back in Jesus's time, they had the same materials. It's earth, right? It's the world. They had the same materials as we do now, but people didn't have the minds or the science to develop it. They still had the same materials, but they, there was nobody that knew how to develop it. Maybe our world would be a better place if people didn't know so much. Maybe our world would be a better place. Do you, do you know what the first big instance of technology was? In human history? What? The Tower of Babel. Tell me. Educate me about this story. The Tower of Babel. No, I mean, think about it. So, what does man do? So, first of all, you have Cain and Abel, right? And Cain slays Abel. Kills him. Because, (laughs) yeah, I mean, Abel offered a right sacrifice. Cain was envious of Abel, and Cain slew him. And Cain was banished. From Cain's line of children, you have all these, like, 
really wicked people. Like Cain Lomack. Uh, well, eventually. Yeah. Like Cain named the first city in human existence after his son. And um, and what was that? And you build these type of like cities. Uh, I think it was uh, Enosh, actually, or Enoch. I can't <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. I have no idea. Um, but uh, yeah, so you have this line of Cain and then you, you end up having the righteous line of Seth. What ends up happening is you have the building of the Tower of Babel later on. Um, and this building of the Tower of Babel is like this, this tower that reaches to the heavens. Now, what's the idea with that? Who's in the heavens? God, right? And, and the heavens spatially is above us, right? It's the sky. If you're more powerful, do you want to be, do you want your palace to be really low or do you want your palace to be really high up, like on a mountain? High up. Why is that? Reaching toward, I mean, dominance is higher up. You can see, right? you can see more, right? You can see people below you. If you're below, then you'd have to look up, right? So spatially, why? So God being the ruler of all things is in the highest place in the heavens. So what does man try and do? But replace God, but basically go all the way up into the heavens so you can see over all the earth. That's the idea. And it was technology that built them these systems of power, you know, to be able to build a tower that reaches to the skies. I mean, you need technologies to do that. But the purpose is for power, right? Like the purpose of building Isengard is so that you can build an army to go conquer the world and you go from Isengard, right? Hobbiton doesn't have a huge tower in the middle. It has a bunch of homes and it has grass. And like fields and cows and cows <laughs> and butter and big ass know. fireworks. Yeah, exactly. Right. You don't build, you know, you don't build Tower of Babels. Um, what medieval cities? What was the tallest building in the city? Tall cities. Big ass structure, maybe. Churches. Churches. Churches were always the highest buildings. What's That's the right. first That's thing right. we did in modern civilizations when we lost the church? You build buildings higher than the church. Damn. Like, you remember the story in New York? So, I mean, the perfect example is New York. I mean, it's just nothing but taller and taller buildings, you know, um, <laughs> higher and higher spaces. And, um, yeah, it's so reflected in our architecture. So, when they were building New St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York, and there was old St. Patrick's, which was more towards lower Manhattan, they were building this one up on Fifth Street, on Fifth Avenue, rather. And the Rockefeller Plaza was right across the way from where New St. Patrick's is being built. And New St. Patrick's is big. It's a big church. It's in New York. It's nothing compared to how big, yeah, it's nothing compared to how big like Rockefeller Plaza and like, you know, all these huge, the Empire State Building, all these places, World Trade Center later on, far later on. But these buildings are enormous, right? And they're symbols of our power and capitalistic might in our secular age, right? Um, And so (laughs) the first thing that they do is... uh, (laughs) So Rockefeller hates the fact that they're building New St. Patrick's across. And so he builds this enormous statue of Atlas, the Greek god. And Atlas. <clears throat> yeah, I remember Atlas. <clears throat> and he has a huge thing of the universe on his back. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, you've yeah, seen it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's right across from St. Patrick's. That's really cool. It's a cool so photo. the Cardinal Archbishop, he took, do you know the infant of Prague? The uh, I've heard of that. Yeah, so... That? It's Jesus appeared as an infant to some people in Prague, and he's holding the entire universe in the palm of his hand, the entire universe. 
And so he puts the statue up above of the facade of New St. Patrick's right across from Atlas holding the, you know, world on his back. He's all muscular. And the infant of Prague is just casually holding everything in his hand. You know, that's the difference is like, yeah, you can build your Tower of Babels wherever you want to do, but you're not going to replace God. Like your technologies, you know, are are extending your systems of power everywhere. Like, you know, our, our cell phones are these extensions of Isengard everywhere. But you're never going to replace Hobbiton. Like Hobbiton, even if you violate it, it's like the piece that's there is the right. piece of the family. Right. This is why when you look at point. dystopian, so things like 1984 or let's say I like a lot better Brave New World, the first thing they do is take control of reproduction. So basically that you you the scientific positivism moves to such a degree that your your technology extends to the family. I mean, what's this kind of it's this thing that power doesn't touch? Um which is this the love of man and wife and their children like is such a good in itself that power wants to corrupt it. So you atomize people even further, right? And one of the things that happens is, so um, in Brave New World, everyone's, uh, no one's made from, um, yeah, normal relations. They're all made in laboratories. All every person is, and um, and yeah, so they're all made in. And when they grow up, they're taught that there's no exclusivity to sexuality. That there's no, you're never supposed to have a partner for life. In fact, you can have as many partners as you want your entire life. Because sex is really not meant for any type of children or any type of unity. But what it's really meant for is, you know, each person's pleasure. And they do all, it's just terrible, terrible stuff. Um, But once you do that fully in a system, you have total control. Because it's like, no longer are you going to stand up for your wife. Like, you're just an instrument of of the power at that point. Um, If you don't have a family, you're completely alone. You know, and your friends are like this extension of your family in a, in a way. But if you've destroyed family, then we're all just individuals underneath a technological power system. You know, something that I think of, <clears throat> have you seen the movie The Giver? Mm-mm. It's basically, I think it's, what's the difference between, a, a utopia is like where everything's good, right? Or what's the difference between a utopia and a dystopia? Uh, I should yeah, know utopia that, but... is like best Best, best world. world. Best world. And dystopia is worst. So how <clears throat> how is the differences? What are the differences of control between a dystopia and a utopia? Because if a dystopia is bad, then the control is probably, I don't know. I feel, I feel like in a utopia, the control is a lot more controlled. You kind of get what I'm saying? Like it's more. It, it, put it this way. <clears throat> so like the Garden of Eden. Um, and what, what was intended and what heaven will be like, you know, hopefully like is <clears throat> if we're created to um, know God and love God perfectly and then love our neighbor as ourselves. And that's the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Then a system in where <clears throat> a society and where that is perfected is a utopia by definition, because you're perfectly mediating divine grace in your own life and you're living it. And, and it's for, yeah, you're loving God above all things and you're loving your neighbor as yourself. That would be a utopia where everyone's living that. And then, um, 
Yeah. What would be a dystopia where systems of power and corruption are so profuse um, that and everyone's bought into sin? That is a kind of anarchy type, you know? I think, yeah, like I was saying. In a sense. I mean, there's there's like an anarchy type of that. And then there's also kind of a like total domination type of that. Right. Well, I think the movie, have you seen The Giver? You haven't seen The Giver? So it's basically this world where everybody's kind of controlled and they don't really know it. And the, the everybody has a family and their parents, but the parents kind of know that they aren't their real parent parents. Like they were just, they're not their real parents. They're from somewhere else. They were taken out from the real world and brought into this, <clears throat> I think, utopia. And the way it goes is that there's this house outside of the boundary of the boundaries that these people are in. And there's a man there that knows all the secrets of the world that they're living in, but he's not living in that world, but he knows everything about it. And there's a hierarchical structure. Everybody that knows basically, I think I'm not, I don't exactly remember, but I think that there's something wrong in the world, the outside world. And they're, they're creating this new world that, is trying to fix that problem or so I, I might be getting this off, but I have to, I have to watch the giver again, but basically there is this young man who is in a family. And basically what you do is every day when you go out, you have to take a shot, like a medication or something. And you, and they put it like, uh, they put it, you have an apple and I think you put it up and they put the shot in the apple. Then you eat the apple. I think that's what it is. Uh, and at one point he is taking, he takes the apple, the young man. And in, in his mind, he wants to know about what the hell's going on. I don't feel like this is right. So he stops taking his medication and he fake, you know, takes the apple and just kind of puts it next to it when the med, you know, it doesn't go in. And he goes around and he starts examining the world as he's, um, what's the word? as he's being viraled off of wow. this of this medication. So he's going around secretly looking like he is eat, he's eaten whatever he has to that has the injection in it. But he goes around and he is getting viraled off slowly and he kind of sees what's going on. He eventually makes his way out of the boundary. And uh he's running away and everything. And I think this is how it goes. I don't remember, but he somehow gets to this house where the old man who, who is very wise and he has like a whole house and there's libraries and things like this. He knows everything that's going on. Why inside this world, we are doing these certain things to people because there needs to be some help to the outside world. Well, all these people in this fake world are trapped. Like they're growing up, not even with their parents. They think it's their parents, but it's not. So after getting viraled off and everything, he, he goes out and he goes into that house and the, the teacher there, I think, starts educate, educating him about what's really going on. And he's eventually called the giver. I think that's how it goes. I have to rewatch it. But um, basically, he just kind of starts figuring everything out. Did you see the movie? Have you heard of the movie The Island? It was with Scarlett Johansson. Mm. So I think that's kind of another. Is it based on Huxley, the island, the novel? I don't Which know. Which is a, it's a utopia. <clears throat> I think it's a utopia. Yeah. Wow. But um, 
anyways, in The Giver, the boy goes out and he starts becoming educated about everything and he starts running away. Like he eventually runs away and one of his best friends is ordered to go and stop him because he's like in the military or whatever yep. of that system. Uh, look up The Giver really quick and just see exactly what happens. Um, I haven't seen it in a long time, so I'm probably getting some of this off. But basically everything kind of starts to fall into place and you kind of understand what's happening. It's all a fake world and they're trying to develop something to help the outside world, mm. but it's not a good thing. Like it's, it's not good. They're basically trapping people in there. So wow. he eventually gets out this outside the space and he learns about all of it. And the teacher shows him everything I think. And he's not supposed to. And he eventually makes his way out of the boundary and goes into the real world. And I think that's what happens. But kind of a kind of a Truman show thing, you know? Yeah, that's basically what it is. That's that's what it is. There's this fake world. Do you want to be Truman? You know, (laughs) the Truman show. Like, do you want to just everything's good? Everything's going great. But it's all for TV. But how can we (laughs) how can we relate that to Facebook and social media? Oh, let's let's do it. Let's hold on for a second. Right. (laughs) How does that relate? How does that relate to online social media, AI, whatever that garbage is? We are being controlled. Now we now you might want to say, oh, I'm not controlled. I'm, you know, I'm a grown ass man. I don't go on social media that much. And if you you you're not being controlled if you don't have social media, in my opinion. Like in that sphere. If you don't have Facebook, you don't have Instagram, how can you? You don't look at it, you don't have it, right? But for people that are on social media, no matter how much you want to say, I'm not being controlled by this, you're kind of being watched each time you go. On, your, on social media. Here's an example. Ads. You look at a certain thing on Facebook and you start getting interested in it. It gives, it keeps, eventually start, starts popping up more and more about that. Right? Like the recommendations. How, tell me what technology that is. How can you look at something like an ad? Like sometimes I go on Facebook. I like, I'm doing keto right now and there's keto cookie dough. It's so damn good. It's really good. But I keep seeing ads more and more of keto cookie dough of different types. There has to be something watching you, right? There has to be something there. There is something that is carefully monitoring what you're doing. Think how scary that is. Elon Musk said it himself. It's AI scares the living hell out of me. That's what he said. We are being controlled in a fake world. That's what's going on. <clears throat> when we have these things, we are being dragged in. We are being sucked in to the system, the system of power. Yes. Your thoughts, yeah, I mean, Stanley? Well, I think we, we think we're so different than the ancients. We really we do. do. We think we're we think we're tough shit, but we're not. <laughs> right, right. I mean, who built the pyramids? Some Egyptians. Egypt, we just say the Egyptians, but like, why would you build a pyramid? They're literally a grave. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's a genuine question. Why, yeah. why did people consent to build a grave for an emperor? I mean, they're just, they're, it's because they worshiped this emperor and they were all slaves under this ruler. Um, <laughs> And, you know, uh, 
and it was dispossessing them. Like it was creating graves for themselves, you know, in this kind of cult for this emperor thing. And you like sacrifice yourself for the emperor, you know, or the ziggurats or, or like the Aztecs, right? Like there was a ruling priestly class and a certain number of people just literally just got killed, you know, sacrificed to the gods um, just to show that we're all in on this thing together. And they build these huge construction structure things, you know, I, I think in the same way, it's like, whether we realize it or not, this kind of techno-medical elite apparatus thing that we've built, um, by all of us participating in it, we're just becoming slaves of the system. No, we are. I mean, we're what, just what more and more point? being dispossessed. What, what is what, the- what, what, what masters do, <clears throat> it's the same thing. You know, like when Daniel went, uh, he was in Babylon and there was this great dragon that everyone worshipped and they would all bring their food up there. And then the priest would come out of like the closets and stuff, take all the food and eat it and then go back. And people <laughs> thought the dragon would eat it. <laughs> And Daniel's point is like what gods do, what idols do is they take what you give them and they give you some of it back and you worship them because you think it's mysterious. Like we give them a lot of our time and a lot of our reality and they give us a smaller reality back. We give Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and whatever. We give them our attention, our time. We substitute the real social, which is actually real for the fake social and we become dispossessed thereby and we become alienated from each other and they make billions of dollars by doing that and we think we're somehow progressing we're, we're the same as these egyptian like scary. idol worshipers that's a scary thought like, idol worship has never mm-hmm. gone out of fashion the only time it's ever gone out of fashion is in actual christian societies it even happened in the vatican <laughs> <laughs> that's a throwback that's a throwback if you guys scroll down on this episode on Spotify or whatever, you'll find the Amazon Synod <laughs> podcast. Oh, man, I was rad trad then. That was, oh, geez. Uh, that was a time. Uh, but yeah, no, idol worship is still in vogue. And uh, I mean, idol, ha- idol worship happens everywhere. Voodoo. Dude, my friend who I actually, I met him in uh, when I was doing mission work in Jamaica, said he was in Haiti. And he was in a hotel somewhere, you know, like a just jankety ass broken down thing because that's a lot of the infrastructure over there. He started hearing these sounds coming outside of his window. And he was like, well, what the hell is this? They're doing all sorts of different chants. They're holding a structure up. I mean, it's voodoo. Hmm. It's demonic, satanic stuff. But my point is like, that's what they believe. Like they believe that they truly believe that that's what they should worship. How we truly believe that God is who we should worship. I mean, we know that Jesus is the true God, and that's the true faith. Take Islam, though. They think that Allah is the true God, and and Muhammad is his messenger. They think that that's what it is. Do they have a right to believe that? I guess. I mean, they, they, every, I mean, the thing is, like, my point is, is that Social media and Facebook and all these different things, it infects us and it clings to us. There's been so many times where I've gone into confession and I confess to a priest and they give me advice on how to stop getting cling to things. They use the word cling. Like they say, Kellen, you got to stop doing this. You got to stop getting cleaned into this. I'm thinking to myself, like there is a power behind this. Something is driving this. 
But it's how can you like the ultimate thing that I'm trying to strive for is self mastery, controlling yourself, temperance. That's a power that has been given to us, but we have to eliminate certain things from our lives, right? That's how that works. It's much easier to be a slave. It's fun to be a slave. Because responsibility gets thrown off of you. That's the nice thing about being a slave. You just jettison, you know, like you worship the... uh, I mean, what do you think Black Friday is for us? It's, it's, I mean, it's idol worship of, you know, consumerism in a way. I mean, it's one day in which, you know, things are at a bargain so you can, you know, consume as much as possible for the, for the holiday, which is Christ's birth onto earth. And now is the day in which it's just replaced for like <laughs> you giving an excuse to buy a new car or something. Wait a minute. Know? I thought Good Friday was before Thanksgiving. Or no, no, not Good Friday. <laughs> Black Friday. It's af- day after Thanksgiving. <clears throat> well, it's usually because Thanksgiving's the Thursday, so it's usually the Friday. So, um, but I mean, you'll see this. So I-, I love to point to holidays and architecture because they're so just clear. I mean, uh, what are the architectural hearts of America? <laughs> the, the Capitol Building, Washington D.C. You know, all those the National and then, Mall, and then New York. You know, like. World Trade, One World Trade, and Empire State Building, like New York and DC. Those are kind of like our. And what do they represent? The American liberalist structure and then uh, capitalism, kind of generally, the market economics. And we sacrifice tons of things to those idols. I mean, people will sacrifice their entire lives to, yeah, different type of, you know, participating in market economics becoming a banker or like whatever, whatever it is like, and I'm not trying to indict the whole thing, but it's like, Oh, those are the ultimate ends of our social system. What's the ultimate end of humanity? Death. Yes, but, (laughs) but it doesn't terminate there. It's like, well, death is just the beginning. If you're a Christian, right. And this is Augustine's point in city of God is that temporality should be oriented towards eternity. Everything we do in this life should be oriented towards our final end. What you do in this life Arist- echoes Arist- in Aristotle. Eternity. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, look, if the end of life is to know God and love God, and you do that through being a member of his body in the church and being a part of the church and, and you know being united to Christ, then, oh, maybe there's something wrong about our whole social system worshiping the idols of the market economics and our political system. Maybe, maybe just maybe, you know, like our American flags flying over there. But I, I think the, here's another point. So, you know, we've railed against social media, technology, whatever. I, I think that gets played out and especially among even secular people are like, Oh no, look, Facebook's doing all this stuff. And it's like, we can kind of piggyback on it. But I think the more interesting part of this is like, Oh, how does communities that, how does the church that lives in grace, how do they become different and not just kind of in a very broad sense, but like the, the Christian distinctiveness that then um, like certain sacrifices of technology or like instances where we really emphasize community and social setting over, you know, using instruments of power. So like the whole idea that we need to use the new mass media of social media to evangelize the, the world. Do you think that would work? It basically Christianity became something you could put on an Instagram post. 
and that all of a sudden bishops became like social media influencers. Can the world survive without religion? Think about that. Can Ask man, that question. Can man is man a religious being? Can man exist non-religiously? I don't think so. We can practice our lives without religion. We can act as though we don't. We can I mean, act as though we don't, but this we is ultimately Fulton are. Point, Fulton Sheen's point about atheism is just atheism is the excuse to live any type of morality you want to. Right. <clears throat> and so this idea that <clears throat> atheism gives you kind of an amoral system where you can kind of like like a Sam Harris just parse everything out with your rationalist utopia idea. It's like everyone should act in the best way they can. And it's just like atheism just justifies any morality you want because if, if there's no ultimate standard, you can do whatever you want, right? And and likewise, it's like, okay, if we're taking our faith seriously and we believe that our temporality should be oriented by eternity, then how does the city of God look different than the city of man? That has to be the historic, socio-historical question that we're then asking ourselves. <clears throat> how does this situation in which we find ourselves, how do we keep the faith and develop genuine Catholic authentic community and culture against what's being built, which is a kind of techno-medical political apparatus? But the thing is, like, it's so discouraging because I think to myself, like, how on earth can... How on earth can I compete with like Facebook or something like that? You know, it's like I as a human being. I, How can I Hobbiton compete with Isengard? There you go. They can't. That's no, the thing. They can't. They can't. And that's without the God. Without God, right? And I, I can't compete or I can't compete against Facebook without. I just, I mean, I can't. Like, and I think something like this is important that I really want to emphasize is that. Prayer sometimes sucks. Like it, it, it really does. Like I can get discouraged sometimes when I'm praying. And, but the thing is like, you have, it's something that you have to do constantly. I ask myself all the time, what the hell am I doing on this earth? If I don't pray every day, there's no point. There's no point in me being here. Life has always been and forever will be a meditation. That's what life truly is. That's what life really is, is a meditation, a calm, quiet, silent meditation, because that's what we're meant to do. What does social media do? It brings in the noise. It brings in the chaos. It is pure chaos. Think about it. How would life be different if we lived in a world of nothing but pure chaos? Think about people running around the streets naked, people like just screaming all the time, chaos everywhere things getting burned, there would be no meditation. There would be no ability to be to have silence. Unless you're in the middle of, okay, I'm going to say this on air. This is a quote from my friend, Chris. If you're in the middle of buttfuck nowhere. <laughs> Did uh, you just say Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> buttfuck nowhere, Siberia. Oh. Other than that, then you're not going to find silence, okay? Like, Ooh, silence? What the hell is silence anyways? Is, Dude, is John social Mark media... last week had some fire stuff to say I know. about silence. Yeah. Is social media silence? It's noise. Is it noise it's, or is it, it is silence? Noise. It's Dude. noise. Dude, why do we, is all noise. Why do we want noise? You know what it is? Distraction. It's pride. Yes. It's pride. <laughs> it's yeah. pride. Yeah. It's what it is. Yeah. And I think to myself, I mean, I'm guilty of this. I post on Facebook sometimes. But it's but it's because I want people to know what I'm what I'm saying. 
Why don't you tell them? I mean, that's pride. I do it. It's pride. It's not like a, it's not really like a bad pride, but it's, it's still me wanting to people, wanting people to know where I'm at. And like, and this is why, this is why I, I kind of cringe at some of the very broad stroke, um, oh, technology's bad and all this stuff. Like what really is going to motivate us is saying, how does grace really change everything? And how does me living in grace change my life and change my community? And what decisions am I like, is God wanting me to make providentially like the people he's put in my life? And when are those moments when I think, am I either going to sacrifice what I know is right to gain more money, to gain more power, to gain more influence? Am I going to go, am I going to go join Saruman? You know, am I going to be worm tongue, you know, or you know, am I gonna am I gonna join the Urukai, or am I going to hope and pray that I can go along like Frodo and make it to Mount Doom? I may not make it all the way, and I'm probably gonna fall. But that's why you have me. I'm Sam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cheers to that. Cheers, bud. Yeah, cheers to you being Sam. Yeah. I, I, no, I ain't dropping no eaves. <laughs> I ain't dropping no eaves, sir. Speak. Spike! Uh, uh, I heard a lot gosh. about a dragon. <laughs> Something about a dark lord. <laughs> about a dark lord and some rings. What did you hear? Yeah. Dude. Nah, this, is why, this is why Tolkien is unleash, just like... Oh. I mean, unleash your inner Gandalf, dude. Yeah. You know, it's like, put that magic into play, bro. You know? Here's the thing. And maybe we can move... You had a, probably another topic, right? Do we have another topic planned? We don't even know bit. what we're talking about. We don't even K&A. know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we could even end in like five minutes or so. Yeah. I mean, I think to kind of wrap up this section of like the social media is that without temperance, we cannot be perfectly good human beings and temperance. That's why it's one of the cardinal virtues because temperance shows us that we can be level headed. Mm-hmm. Something that I struggle with is when everything is going right in my life, like, damn, things are good. I'm going to go to Europe or something. I'm, I'm having fun. I got a new job. I struggle to keep calm. Like I I always get hyped. I get excited and things like this. And that's not always good. And I've learned that if I'm temperate and I exercise temperance, my life will be better because I see the beauty in the good things, Mm. even when I'm in the shits. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) that's what it is. When you're in the shits, you're in the bad times. If you're temperate, you understand the beauty behind everything that, is happening. Mm. Does Facebook have temperance? Do these online media social they social want media you to companies, be non-virtuous? Right. That's what it's built around is non-virtue. And you can deny it as much as you want. You can say, oh, I only do Facebook for good purposes. But like in the end, it's a control factor. And God didn't come down to this world. God wasn't saying Follow me. He wasn't like control. I'm going to control you. That's not what God did. God gave us the option. Dude, a line from NF. People change. Even Satan used to be an angel. People change. Damn. Even Satan used to be an angel. That's real shit right there. Like that, that is like proves that there is evil in this world and we have to be able to recognize it. And we can do that through temperance. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's like that is something that has to be recognized. I'm not saying all these social media things are evil. But what I'm saying is that 
it can conduct evil through you, through addiction, right? That's something you have to be careful of. So that's what it is. Life is difficult. Solution. You know. Grace. <clears throat> Solution is grace. Yeah. That's Christ. all that it is. Yeah. That's all it is. You don't need anything else. Courage. Think about monks in monasteries. They threw away everything. Yeah. Oh. Everything. St. Francis dang. took his clothes off in the middle of the courtyard. And his father was right there, a rich man. Mm-hmm. Threw everything away. And what was the ultimate goal of that? Or what was the ultimate outcome? He became a saint that everybody talks about. That's where it lies. Yep. <clears throat> That's what it is. That's really what it is. Te- technological, when it interferes with the personal, that's when you have damage. But when you're when you're able to hold off on the technical, the technological, and control that instead, and it doesn't control you. Yes, that's when. Let's. One. This is from Alistair McIntyre. I'm going to see him next week at Notre Dame. Speaking. Who's that? Uh, <clears throat> philosopher converted to Catholicism. Wrote a book called After Virtue, and I was reading the prologue. It's a brilliant book. Oh my gosh, this is it brilliant? Um, listen to this. In the last sentence of After Virtue, I spoke of us as awaiting for another Saint Benedict. Benedict's greatness lay in making possible a quite new kind of institution, that of the monastery of prayer, learning, and labor, in which and around which communities could not only survive, but flourish in a period of social and cultural darkness. The effects of Benedict's founding insights and of their institutional embodiment by those who learned from them were from the standpoint of his own age quite unpredictable. And it was my intention to suggest when I wrote that last sentence in 1980 that ours too is a time of waiting for new and unpredictable possibilities of renewal. It is also a time for resisting as prudently and courageously and justly and temperately as possible the dominant social, economic, and political order of advanced modernity. So it was 26 years ago, so it is still. Cow. So we wrap it up on that. <laughs> Unless you got something else. <laughs> and then insane. What the heck? Yeah, I know. That's his thesis in After Virtue is you can't interpret things without a tradition. And we That's need, right. You can't life have a is, history. You can't have a social order without a, a tradition. And life is made new through prayer and things like this. Holy cow. Yep. That's That's inspiring. That's what that is. Prayer, learning, and labor. Jeez. Which and around which communities can not only survive but flourish in a period of social and cultural darkness. From the standpoint of his own age, it was quite unpredictable. I mean, from the standpoint of our age, a kind of new St. Benedict moment where people renounce the idols for fasting, for prayer, for almsgiving, for labor, but for community and for the church and for grace. It's hard to predict when that's going to happen, but we need to pray for those graces that we can be the yeah, ones do. to do that. And and bravely, <clears throat> justly, courageously, resisting as prudently, courageously, justly, and temperately as possible the dominant social, economic, and political order of advanced modernity. Resistance. That's what it ultimately, ultimately is. Courageous resistance, but through positive yeah. living grace. Yeah. Monastic ideal. It's so hard to 
it, like, we'll just end with this. It's like, it's so hard to live with grace, you know? And that's something that we need everything. to strive. It changes everything. And that's something that we need to strive for. Cause that's ultimately what we want. You don't want the Miami vice drink. You want the Miami virtue. That's the Let's non, go. non-virgin. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap that up. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. The Kel and Alex show. Alex, thanks for being my co-host, man. This was great. This is great, this bro. So we'll have to do this again like this. Oh, we will. We'll this be back next good. week, guys. Most likely Thursday, 6 to 8 p.m., something like that. Oh, shit. I'm not going to be here next week. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll end with that. <laughs> see you, we'll everybody. See you soon. Peace out. If there's a Christian religion, then it's Catholicism or nothing. What politics actually is art of people living together orienting one another towards virtue and the person was like dude flirting is the abortion of love this is the most worthy most exciting most adventurous drop a nuke uh, on the franciscan bubble the kellen and alex show God could have stopped it if he Permissive will. That's right. <laughs> I don't know why God would allow something like that to go through. But then again, God allows God allows you to go to... on and on. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Truth, okay. <laughs>